I want to talk today and ask a couple of good, honest questions. All right? Here they come. Number one, why is it that some people get a lot out of their Christianity and others don't seem to get so much? It's a good question, right? You meet some Christians and they're like, oh, yeah, me and God are this, and oh, this is what God's doing for me, and oh, it's just incredible, isn't it? Then you meet someone else and you say, are you a Christian? And they say, yeah, I'm a Christian. How's life? Well, it's all right, isn't it? It's all right. Might go to church on Sunday to see if God deserves it or not. Why is it that some people get a lot out of their Christianity and others not so much? How can there be one God that loves everyone equally, yet people can have so many different experiences of him and the life that he said he's available? Now, if there's a deficit, if one person is experiencing a lot of God, a lot of the life that he's offered, yet another person, both Christians, is not experiencing as much and is a little bit jealous, provoked by the other one. If it, is there a deficit? If so, if there's a deficit, what's causing... This is a good question. What's causing that deficit? Is it God or is it us? Well, it can't be God, can it? We can take that straight out of the equation. If a deficit is with the originator of all things, the maker of heaven and earth, then we've got big problems. Now, I really believe if there's a deficit in what a person's experiencing in their walk with God, the issue isn't with God, the issue is with us. Now, there's probably a number of reasons why there could be a deficit, but I really believe one very real reason or one key reason could simply be this. Are you ready for it? This is one of my key conclusions. Do we understand as we should that Christianity is not a religion, it's a covenant relationship with a living God. It's not a religion. It's a covenant, not just a relationship, but a covenant relationship with a living God. Now, what is a covenant relationship? Because maybe you're new to the faith and you're like, covenant? Don't hear that word very often. A covenant relationship is a number of things. To me, number one, a covenant relationship is not a casual relationship. A covenant relationship is not a casual relationship. It's not a take it or leave it relationship. It's not, yeah, I may be there on Wednesday. It's not that type of relationship. Another thing for me, a covenant relationship is, is it's not a one-way relationship. You see, a covenant relationship, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in business, always involves more than one person. You can't have a relationship with yourself, though many people prove me wrong. A covenant relationship is between two people and it can't be a one-way relationship where one person gives everything and the other person gives nothing. To me, the best earthly example we have of a covenant relationship, if we're going to use those old-type words, is marriage. One of the best pictures that we have of what would be a covenant relationship is a marriage between a man and a woman, between two people, according to the original design, not some of the designs that the world's coming up with today. They don't work. God still works. You see, a covenant relationship, like God designed it to be, between a man and a woman, is simply they give everything that they are to each other in the safety 
of a covenant relationship. Now, many of you know, two weeks ago, I was over in California, like you do, right? And I was over there for my daughter's wedding. That's why I was there. And I got to witness the beginning of a covenant relationship, even though they'd dated, they courted, as a good old-fashioned word. Um, they'd been engaged. Two weekends ago, I saw my daughter on Good Friday, and it was a Good Friday, get married to a young man called Timmy. But what I witnessed was a couple doing marriage according to the original design of God, where they'd just kept themselves for each other. I know that's old-fashioned, but there was just something special about this wedding. But in the wedding, first they gave themselves to God, but then they gave themselves fully to each other. Now, me and Gina, when we got married, we had an agreement that first we're his, and then we're each other's. Because this is a three-stranded cord here, and when God's a part of a relationship, that relationship is strong. So I celebrated in this moment watching my daughter and this young man called Timmy start a covenant relationship where their commitment was to give their first to God, but then also everything that they were then to each other. Now, in the original design of Christianity, what God made it to be, and I believe that this is still God's intention for us, he gave himself fully for us, and we are meant to give ourselves fully to him. Now, if a marriage is going to work and be the best that it can be, it has to involve two people giving everything they are to the other person. Otherwise, there'll be a deficit in that marriage, a deficit that can be removed when the person stops living for himself, but now lives for the other person that they're in a covenant relationship with. Everybody with me? Now, I'm building a bit of platform here, so stay with me. Now, he gave himself fully to us, and he desires that we give ourselves fully to him. Now, I suppose the question here really is, do we give ourselves fully to him? Good, honest question again, isn't it? He's given himself fully to us. You can't get more full than giving your only son to die on a cross to save the other person. But do we give ourselves fully to him or do we hold back parts of our life? Do we give God some sections of our life but say, not this section, Lord, not this bit of me, Lord, not that bit of me, Lord? Because the problem is if we hold back from bringing something into the relationship we have with God, we actually do ourselves an injustice because God is not able to bless that part of what we haven't brought into the relationship. Now, I believe that the design of God for our marriage is the design of God for, ma uh, uh, for our walk with God. That he gives us everything, but then he invites us to give him everything. Now, what we normally do is actually choose a little bit of a different journey. And I've, I was guilty of this. We start at the cross becoming his, and then we spend the rest of our life slowly giving him another percentage of who we are. Now, the ideal plan of God is... When we meet him at the cross, the place of exchange, imagine this is the cross this morning. He comes to the cross and he's given himself fully in relationship to us. 
But so often when we come to the cross, we start um, a process of giving him bits of who we are. But the problem is, if we only give him bits of who we are, that's going to affect the experience of the relationship we have or the Christianity that we know. For Christianity, a walk with God, I believe to be totally fulfilling, it needs to be a relationship where we surrender all to him. Now, if you say to me, I want the best experience of Christianity, I want the best experience of walking with God that I can know, I want an experience of Christianity that makes me never want to leave him or his house, my advice to you would be the advice I'd give myself, then bring all of you are, all of who you are, into the relationship that he has brought all of who he is into. Now, God puts this in a really unique way. We hear God throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament explaining what he wants, desires, expects from a relationship with us. He says a statement that I lost count at 28. Just in the Old Testament. Around 28 times I hear God say this in one way or another. And I want to read you the statement from the book of Leviticus. The words will appear behind me. Leviticus 26 verse 11 says, this is God speaking to the people in the Old Testament. I will put my dwelling place among you. I will come and be with you. And I will not abhor you. Verse 12. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. That's the statement I want to grab that God says over 28 times. I will be your God. And you will be my people. That's the intention. That's the desire. That's what God wants in a relationship with you and me. Let me say again, what does he want? He wants to be our God. And he wants us to be his people. Now, that's a statement that we read in the Old Testament. And we see that that was the intention of God for the children of Israel and people that we read about in the Old Testament. So how did that work out? When we look at the Old Testament storyline, we see that God is constantly, because of covenant relationship, faithful to the people of Israel. Agreed? But we also see that the people of Israel are constantly unfaithful to him. So if it was a marriage context, you've got one person who's 100% faithful and another person who's faithful sometimes. And you see when you read the Old Testament a constant story of God being faithful to his people, but his people not being faithful to him. You see God turning up and going, you're not getting it, are you? Okay, here's some guidelines for our relationship, for this marriage we've got together, this covenant relationship we've got together. If you stay within these guidelines, which is basically don't cheat on me with other gods, I will bless you beyond anything you ever dreamed or imagined. What was the response of the children of Israel? Let's not blame them. We've all done this as well. 
They just could not remain faithful to God. They just kept on. Remember when God spoke through the prophet Hosea. He said, this is what it feels like being your God. It feels like a husband that's constantly being cheated on. When we're men, I have a covenant relationship. So time and time again through the Old Testament, we see the children of Israel unfaithful, unfaithful. But again, what do we see God do? God constantly forgives them, restores them, forgives them. Don't ever doubt the goodness of God. Even when they were unfaithful, even when they turned to other gods, what do you see God do time and time again? Forgive them, restore them, forgive them, restore them. Because that's who he is. But God was actually, at that moment, looking to another day. Let's put that another way. God was looking to establish another covenant, a different covenant, because the problem with the first covenant that he had with the children of Israel, Old Testament, was it was based on their ability to do what they were told. So God looks ahead and we hear Jeremiah, the prophet, looking ahead and he says, do you know what? I'm going to start a new covenant relationship for people. This is God. I'm going to start a new covenant. I'm going to remove the old covenant, the old agreement between me and people. And I'm going to give a brand new agreement between me and people. And actually, Jeremiah announces this. Listen to what Jeremiah says. For the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, a new agreement with my people, the children of Israel, and with the people of Judah. This was including us. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant time and time again. Though I was always a husband to them. What's God saying? I was always a faithful husband to my people. But my people were always an unfaithful wife to me, declares the Lord. And then he says this, this is the new covenant that I'm going to make with my people, the children of Israel, after this time, declares the Lord. I'm going to put my law or my ways in their minds and I'm going to put my heart in their heart. And then he makes this statement again, I will be their God and they will be my people. You see, God's plan for us, here's the good news, God's plan for us today in the year 2022 is no different to the plan that he really had or originally had with the children of Israel in the Old Testament. What is that plan? God wants to be our God, but he also wants us to be his people. God wants to give himself and has given himself 100% to his people. Yet still today, and we've all been guilty of this, we give him a bit of who we are, a section of who we are, the bits that we want him to have and not the bits we don't want him to have. But then we have the audacity to blame him for not giving us the Christian experience that other people have. This is great news, isn't it? That God wants to be our God. Today, right now, God wants to be our God. 
But he also wants us to be his people. Now, these verses spoken of Jeremiah are spoken of in the New Testament, just to bring it in to context. 2 Corinthians 6, 16, Hebrews 8, verse 10. Again, you hear the writer referring to the desire of God. The desire of God from Genesis, the desire of God through the whole Egypt bit, the desire of God up to the cross, the desire of God beyond the cross, and the desire of God for us living today. He still wants to have a covenant relationship where he is your God, he is your provider, he is your protector, he is everything you need, but he desires that we, you and me, wouldn't share him with other gods, but we would be wholly his, fully his. God, I'm not playing the partial experience, the sub little bit of me experience anymore. God, today I bring all that I am to the cross of Jesus Christ and I say I won't give you bits of me anymore. I won't give you certain subsections of my life anymore. But God, you've given me all that you are and I give you all that I am today. See, the question really is, should we expect should we expect not to give him anything but all of who we are when we understand that he's given us all of who he is how would that work in a marriage well you've seen that happen in some marriages that have broken down haven't you where you have one person in the marriage as god portrays his experience through the prophet hosea that just gives them all i'm fully yours honey i'm fully yours My love, I'm fully yours. I'm fully yours. Everything that I am is yours. But then the other person's like, yeah, I can only see you Wednesdays and Sundays. You can have my heart, but you can't have my wallet. I want separate finances from you because we're really not joined. I still want that bit of my life. It just brings complications to a relationship that could be a lot more simple and a lot more enjoyable. That's what it's like. Remember, the clearest picture of a covenant relationship is the relationship that God wants with us and we can have with him. All right, let's bring this in for a bit of a landing. When we come to the cross, we should acknowledge, number one, that he has given himself fully to us, but also now we're to give ourselves fully to him. Now, as we bring all that we are to him, we can then expect his blessing on everything that we've brought. I know that's simple, but it's important. Imagine if you went to a pizza restaurant this afternoon and you ordered a big old pizza pie, big old margarita, and the waiter brings your pizza out and it's a hole, but you know they cut it so it's got sections. What if he came out with his black pepper and his parmesan cheese and said, forgive the accents, they're not good. You want us some cheese. You want us some cheese. Imagine his shock if you went on this slice, this slice and this slice, but not this slice, this slice and this slice. What are you crazy? 
But that's what we so often have done and do do to God with our lives. We say, God, I'm bringing this bit into covenant relationship with you, but not this bit. I bring this bit, but don't talk about this bit. Come on, for most of us, one of the biggest bits it took us a while to bring in was our money, right? God, you can have all of me except my wallet. God says, no, bring all that you are into a relationship where the other person has brought all of who they are into it as well. Okay, what does this look like? It looks a little bit like, this is a good, I saw his food here, I thought I had someone go and borrow a couple of these for me and we're going to return them, all right? I actually asked for trolleys but he couldn't get it in the back of his car, all right? But I promise we're returning them, all right? Okay, what does this look like? Let's imagine this pulpit's the cross, right? What we're to do is work out who we are, all right? <clears throat> there's, there's the married bit of who I am. There's, there's all that God made me to be. There's the finances of who I am. Oh, there's sex life that's in there as well, because God made that, right? Some of you don't believe. <laughs> all right, I've got the money bit of who I am. I've got the friendships, oh, I've got the good bits, and I've got the bad bits, and I've got the downright ugly bits. I've got my strengths, and I've got my weaknesses. All right, that's me, that's me. This is who I am, this is who I am. All right, now I'm coming to the checkout, which is the cross. And at the checkout, I'm stepping from a relationship I had into the one that God's promised me. But what I've got to do is I've got to make sure, I've got to make sure that I'm giving God, all right, got my money, got my sex life, got, got, got this, got my good bits, got my bad bits, got my downright ugly bits, I've got my strengths, I've got my weaknesses. All right, all right. Yeah, that's all of me. That's all of me. That's good, that is. Because you know what God does next is he comes to the cross and he says, all right, I'll take your good bits and your bad bits, your strengths, your weaknesses, your fears, your doubts, your abilities, your talents. I'll have your money too. I'll have that. I'll have this. And that's, that's all of you. Okay. Thank you. Because a covenant means the person, the people leave with something different than what they came. So, okay. Well, that doesn't look very fair, does it? It's like the old Bob Hope poem. If I give my heart to you, I'll have none and you'll have two. <laughs> Deep, right? But wait a moment. Wait a moment. This is a covenant relationship, which means if I give everything that I am to him, then he gives everything he is to me. So for my fears, he gives me his peace. For my lack, he gives me his plenty. This is a covenant relationship where two people do the same for both parties in it. For my weaknesses, he gives me his strength. When I am weak, then I am strong. For my lack of ability, he gives me his abilities. For my depression, 
He gives me joy. He gives me a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I gave him a spirit of heaviness, and now he's giving me a garment of praise. He's giving, I gave him misery. Everyone said I was an old miser. He's giving me joy instead of misery. I gave him my hopelessness. He's filling my basket with his hope. I gave him my feeling of not wanting to be around anymore. And he gave me, I know the plans I have for you, future, hope, dreams. Wait a moment. He's giving me more than I gave him. He's just, I didn't expect that. Cornflakes, oh my goodness. Oh my, a pound of sugar. Oh my, oh my goodness. So any Christianity that says you leave with nothing is not true. We leave the cross richer, stronger, better off, and with more than we could dream. All right. So why don't some people experience from God things that other people do? It's not because God isn't being your God or giving himself fully. He couldn't give himself any more fully than letting his son be stretched on a cross to save you and make you his own. No, to my shame... I look back over my life and I realise that I came into this covenant relationship with selected, subsectional thinking. Well, God, let's see how you get on with that. <laughs> when I look back on that moment 30-odd years ago where I now at an altar and said, God, I give you my all. Anybody else ever done that? Yeah? Looking back, I think I gave him a tin of chicken soup. Oh, at the time, it felt like I was giving, but looking back, it was a tin of chicken soup. But you know what? He's been so good to me, so that I just had to keep bringing the next section. I want to encourage you if you're a young Christian, don't do that. Bring everything that you are to the counter of the foot of the cross don't hold back let God be your God and you purpose from today you are going to be his people not just on Sunday when we gather or in our small groups during the week but every morning you want to walk with him every night you want to talk with him you want him to speak to you in your dreams You want to see his blessing and his favour upon every part of your life that you've made his. I really believe that God uses marriage. Now I know that marriage isn't a good topic for some people and it's a painful one for others. But let's not lose what God was revealing in the true original design of marriage. We've contaminated it, we've messed it up. But his design remains true. The power 
of a powerful covenant relationship is when both people involved in it bring themselves wholly and fully to the other one. Can we get the band up? There's a miracle. I finished eight minutes early. Come on, some people don't believe in miracles anymore. There's your first one today. You know, I've just been thinking about that statement the last couple of days. I will be your God. And you will be my people. Isn't that an incredible statement from the creator of the universe? Isn't that an incredible offer from the one who designed everything? He's not saying, I will be enthroned and you will be my slave. Now, God wants one thing from us, and that's a relationship. But I don't know how to put this nicely. He doesn't want a casual relationship. God doesn't want to date you. He don't want to go out with you. Went back into my fluent Portsmouth there for a moment. He wants you to experience a covenant relationship with him. He wants you to experience the best of who he is. He wants you to experience everything that he's got stored up for your life. And all we need to do, it's disappeared, but if the table was still there, is just come to the counter of divine exchange, the cross, and just say, thank you, Jesus. You gave everything for me you became poor that I could become rich you became beaten you became punished you became judged so that I didn't need to be beaten punished or judged Jesus you emptied your basket at the cross for me now I bring you everything that's in my basket and I give it to you maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Maybe you're praying that prayer right now. Hey, I don't think it will harm us all to say that prayer, eh? Should we just pray that together today? Should we just get crazy and pray that together? Heavenly Father, thank you that you want to be my God and you want me to be your people. That you bring me from separation into being a son and a daughter of your house you bless me like a father you lead me like a shepherd and all you want me to do is give you my life Lord I give you my life I give you my heart oh forgive my failings of yesterday today I give you all that I am because I want to experience all that you are. Thank you for a covenant relationship. It all changes today. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, heaven heard it.
Maybe you're here today and you say, yeah, I prayed that prayer, Andy. I've been expecting from God everything, but not willing to give Him everything that I am. But today that changes. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, or maybe you've been away from God and you're coming back to Him today, you say, this is my comeback. Yeah, Rocky may have hit the map, but Rocky's getting back up. This is my comeback. This is me coming back. I want you, if you've prayed that prayer, either if you've never known God or you've walked away from God or if you're coming back to God today, just by every eyes closed, every head's bowed, I just want to give you the opportunity to say, yeah, Andy, I prayed that prayer for me today. It's not really about if I see, it's you saying, I believe in my heart and I make a confession with my hand right now. Jesus Christ will be the Lord of my life. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand if that's you. Every eye closed, every head's bowed. Come on, maybe there's one, maybe there's two, maybe there's ten. Who knows? If you prayed that prayer today and you say, I'm ready to give my life wholly to God, lift your hand when I say three. One, two, three. Anyone? God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. That's awesome. Two people there saying, yeah, I'm giving it all to God today. Is there a third person? There's a third person. Awesome. There's a fourth person. That's incredible. That's wonderful. Is there a fifth person today? Come on. What are we doing? Oh, to Jesus I surrender. Come on. We're bringing him everything that we are today. Is there a sixth person today? You say, me too, Andy. Don't stop yet, Andy. Keep pushing. I'm coming, Andy. God bless you. There's number six. Where's number seven today? Come on. Is there anyone else? And you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? You want to give two more here? We got, what's that, seven and eight there? Is there number nine today? You say, me too, Andy. I want to give my life to Jesus. I've been dating him, but I want to get married. I want to I give my life to him fully. Oh, we're so close to ten, aren't we? Is there a number nine?